This is a BMO Smarter Investing Special Edition. In this episode, Eric Johnson, Senior Economist for BMO Capital Markets, is joined by Nalini Foyle, Head of Responsible Investing for BMO Group Asset Management, to discuss issues and opportunities regarding responsible investing, the knowledge to get started with ESG investing, and much more. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Eric Johnson, Senior Economist with BMO Capital Markets. So 2022 was certainly a difficult year for many investment portfolios with all the macroeconomic and geopolitical shocks that came our way. For instance, both the S&P 500 and 10-year treasuries were down by more than double digits on a total return basis. And so even something like a more conservative 60-40 portfolio ended the year down more than 10%, which makes it one of the worst years going back to the 1970s. Now, a lot of that has to do with the swift tightening of monetary policy we're seeing globally in response to decade highs in inflation. But it underscores a renewed theme over the past two years in investing, which is managing risk, something that was a little bit easier to do when technology stocks were on a surge and policy rates were low for two decades almost. So looking ahead, the global economy faces a number of potential risks. And whether it's from kind of the physical and transition costs from climate change, which the World Economic Forum recently highlighted as one of the biggest risks to the global economy over the next 10 years, or that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has elevated fears that we could see further global brinksmanship from other countries like China and North Korea, or the fact that the pandemic has amplified concerns over the level of inequality across society and the risk that it poses to economic growth. So one investment topic that has received a lot of attention on evaluating these kinds of risks is sustainable or responsible or ESG investing or environmental, social, and governance investing. And navigating what exactly is meant by ESG can certainly be confusing. Thankfully, I'm joined today by the extraordinary Nalini Foyole, who is the head of responsible investing at BMO Global Asset Management, is going to help us figure out what all this means for investors. Hi, Nalini, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Eric, and thank you for having me. What a generous and kind introduction. Well, you're very welcome. So I thought we'd start off with maybe a simple question or possibly a not so simple question. What exactly does responsible investing or ESG mean in investment context? Definitely a great question to start with because there's a lot of confusion over the space. And I think simplifying it often really helps. So I'm first going to start with responsible investing. It's really the umbrella term that really encapsulates how investors approach their investment portfolios in a responsible way. So if you think about responsible investing as an umbrella, what that actually means is it's an approach that aims to incorporate ESG, which stands for Environmental, Social and Governance Considerations, into the investment decision-making process. And the point of doing that is to better manage your risk and be able to generate sustainable long-term returns. I know that's a mouthful, so we can break it down a little bit. Starting with ESG, you might have heard that acronym used a ton. And again, that stands for three non-traditional factors that have been proven time and time again over the past couple of decades that they really are material and important from investors' perspective to understand the risks and opportunities related to a given investment. So again, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Considerations. A few examples, just to kind of contextualize this, I'll start with environmental, is things like climate change. We all know very well the risks that we're facing collectively with regards to climate change. 
things like water management, pollution, these all fall under the environmental bucket of ESG. Then we have social considerations, which include things like labor standards, how are employees being treated in the companies that we're choosing to invest and support? How are human rights being respected? Are there health and safety issues? Those all kind of fall into that social bucket. Governance factors have actually been around for a long time and always been part of the investment decision-making process. And this is where we look at how well a company is governed. How is the board managed? Do they have representation on the board from a diversity and inclusion perspective? We look at things like executive pay, strategy, business ethics. Those really all fall under the governance umbrella. So I guess just to sum up, the acronym ESG really represents the types of non-traditional factors that we consider in a responsible investing approach alongside traditional factors. Well, thank you so much, Nalini. That's a very helpful. And I think it gives you quite a fulsome view of what we mean by those terms when we kind of hear them out of the blue. Now, you know, one concern that I have heard recently is that responsible investing can be all about avoiding certain sectors or industries, maybe because they're viewed as producing something that might be bad for the environment or society. You know, one example or a couple examples might be avoiding fossil fuel companies or tobacco companies. Is that actually part of responsible investing or is that just more of a myth? So I would say that, again, if we think about responsible investing as an umbrella approach to investing, there are actually five to six different approaches that you can take to implement that. And what you're referring to is what we call negative screening or negative exclusion. So that's when an investor decides to exclude entire sectors based on the products and services that they offer because they don't align to their personal values. So negative screening is often conflated with responsible investment, and it is definitely not one and the same. There are certain types of investors who can choose to employ that approach. But there are actually several other approaches to responsible investment that do not include reducing your investable universe. Oh, thank you so much. I think that really does lay it a little bit more clearly. That's a much more narrow way of kind of thinking of the concept. Now, are there other kind of approaches that fit under that umbrella of responsible investing that people should be aware of? Absolutely. So I'll go through a few of the key areas that I think our listeners should be aware of. And the first is the approach that I I say is table stakes, and it's called ESG integration. So ESG integration is really making sure that the investment professionals managing your portfolio are considering all material risks that could impact that investment over the long term. And so material risks, in our view, are, again, those traditional factors, but also ESG risks, so environmental social governance risks. So making sure that these factors are part of that investment decision-making process, in our view, is just prudent risk management. And this is the most common approach to responsible investment that I think we are seeing throughout the asset management industry, not only here in Canada, but globally. The second approach that I'll talk about is positive inclusion. And this is actually the flip side of negative screening, which we just discussed. And Positive inclusion really involves rewarding companies that have positive ESG attributes in their business and operations. So if you're looking at a handful of companies in one sector like consumer staples, 
And two out of five of those companies are really outperforming when it comes to environmental, social, and governance over their peers. Then we're going to look to build a portfolio rewarding companies who are outperforming in certain areas under the ESG umbrella. Then there's thematic investing. So thematic investing is an interesting approach to responsible investment that focuses on companies that offer a very specific sustainability solution. And this is along the lines of one theme under the ESG umbrella. So for example, there could be a clean energy fund that you heard about or a fund like Women in Leadership that we have right here at BMO GAM that's looking to build a portfolio of companies that have at least 25% representation of women either on the board or in management of those companies. So a Women in Management Fund or a Clean Energy Fund would be examples of thematic funds or an approach to responsible investment. And then very quickly, I'll go over impact investing. So impact investing is all about making sure that there is a measurable outcome in addition to the financial performance of a fund that falls under the environmental or social umbrella. So some examples of those kind of funds could be around affordable housing or access to education. So I guess just to summarize, depending on your risk appetite, how you view the world, you do not need to exclude, for example, fossil fuels or tobacco from your investable universe. You can if that aligns to your values, but you can also take up one of these other approaches to responsible investing by evaluating solutions under each of these headings. Oh, thank you. Yeah, certainly that whole kind of perspective on just a wider set of factors that feed into the risk management process certainly sounds very familiar to me. And the last two years in particular reminded us that there's all sorts of different risks out there that we may have not considered before. And certainly 2022 was a particularly unique time in the global economy with the kind of Ukraine-Russia conflict and you know the related problems with energy supply. And one thing that certainly stood out is traditional energy as a sector, so that would include kind of fossil fuel companies, performed really well because of those disruptions in global energy markets that came from kind of the reduction or the exclusion a little bit of Russia from global markets there. And then as well, you know, there's quite a slow recovery of production from the lingering effects of the pandemic compared to how quickly kind of demand came back online. So one thing is, do all ESG products have more limited exposure to traditional energy companies? And, you know, if so, would that kind of affect some of those funds of performance over the last year? That's a really great question. So I guess I'll start by saying it, it was an absolutely volatile year from our perspective, working in asset management, both from a market's perspective, from the conflict in Ukraine and Russia, and what we saw around energy supply and energy security. So yes, the energy sector outperformed as a result of energy security being compromised. And yes, there are certain funds that were branded responsible, sustainable, or even ESG that may not have performed as well because of their lower weight or allocation to that sector. But I will say that it actually wasn't just responsible investment funds that underperformed over this really volatile year. A lot of growth funds or growth stocks like the technology sector also underperformed. So in a year where a sector like energy happens to outperform, given the conflict and the number of macro factors at play, is not necessarily a direct hit on a space like responsible investing. I think it's just 
was a tough year for all styles of investing. And it could be that certain funds with a lower exposure to the one sector that outperformed did see a performance dip. But I wouldn't equate that to responsible investing in particular. And that's just because of the time horizon. A responsible investment approach really aligns with investors who are looking to grow their wealth over time. And what transpires over a quarter or even a year could be a blip in that trajectory of growth, but certainly in our view does not pose a risk to the long-term success of a responsible investment portfolio. And despite this over-demand that we've seen for traditional energy sources in 2022, like fossil fuels, there are also a myriad of policy indications around the world that showcases the need that we still need to transition to a low carbon future and really accelerate the use of things like clean energy. So one example that I'll point to from a policy perspective is this kind of land-breaking U.S. Inflation Reduction Act that came out late last year. It's really the most significant piece of legislation on climate action in all of U.S. history. And it had a number of directives to really advance and invest in the development of clean energy. So I'm not worried about the future of responsible investment funds and performance because I think that globally there's a recognition that the threat of climate change and the need for climate action is going to continue to have us move in that direction of a low zero, the low carbon future and a net zero economy. I absolutely hear you on how volatile you know the past year was. I think there's nothing like nine months of some of the most aggressive increases in kind of monetary policy over recent history, certainly to you know lead to a huge repricing of assets, no matter what kind of class they fall into. But it sounds like what you were saying is you don't necessarily have to be giving up on performance in a traditional sense just because you might be using one of these strategies that fall under that responsible investing kind of umbrella. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take it back to the basics. When we think about investment management, there's always that risk-return trade-off, right? And there are different products to suit the different profiles of every individual investor, depending on their risk appetite. I would say that if you're looking at the middle of the road type of investor who wants to kind of balance off that risk and reward paradigm, that the performance of responsible investment-oriented products are often comparable to those of traditional or core strategies. And I'll say that they actually have this added protection on the downside and lower volatility. There's actually been several academic studies to support this. And then, of course, there are all these ancillary benefits from being invested in a responsible investment-oriented solution. And that includes really allowing all of the end investors of that fund to become a participant and really influencing and improving the ESG practices of the companies they're invested in. And also really allowing investors to have their money work twice as hard for them, right? So they want to see their portfolios grow so that they can build those savings that they want for retirement and so forth. But they're also putting their money to work because by being a shareholder in companies that are supporting a sustainable future, they're indirectly improving the society and the world in which we live. That's great to hear. And certainly something coming from BMO where, you know, we really focus on that aspect of growing the good. And certainly the idea of growing your savings is something that I think anyone can get behind as well. And, you know, it really seems to make sense for someone who's taking kind of a longer term perspective on investing, certainly. 
I think managing downside risk can be one of the most important components of any kind of long-term investment strategy like that. Our discussion so far on kind of the performance of ESG makes it sound like certainly a helpful strategy to consider. One question I had is the size of the ESG or the responsible investing market in Canada significant? And do you see that kind of space growing? Yeah, that's a great question. So recently, the Responsible Investment Association in Canada put out their annual trends report where they currently valued the AUM in this market at $3 trillion. I don't have projected growth or AUM in this space for Canada in particular, but I will say that if we look at responsible investment globally, it's currently valued at $41 trillion. And we actually see that increasing to close to $50 trillion by 2025, so in just two years from now. And AUM would be assets under management? Exactly. Part of oh, it, awesome. Yes. Assets under no, management. And I'll also say that the baseline numbers that I referenced, like for example, the three trillion in Canada, often those have been downgraded or measured on a conservative basis because if we go back to the approaches of responsible investment, I mentioned that ESG integration is now table stakes, right? You want the investment professionals managing your portfolios to look at all material risk factors, including ESG. So funds that integrate ESG have actually been pulled out of a lot of these stats, both here in Canada and abroad, because again, that's just sound investment management. It's just table stakes. So the numbers I'm quoting are more for funds who have a direct objective aligned with the sustainability value or factor, right? So we're, we're shrinking that pool. I hope that answers your question. No, absolutely. Thank you. And I guess one thing to follow up maybe when we're thinking about that growth component of or where we see this space going is kind of related to that E and ESG. And it would be kind of that potential for there to be a you know, significant amount of investment required to avoid some of the worst physical impacts of climate change for the global economy. I know the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero pegs it at as much as 125 trillion US dollars kind of over the next 30 odd years or so. And so does targeting companies that are poised to take advantage of those potential growth opportunities, something that finds its way into kind of responsible investment strategies? Yeah, the short answer is absolutely they do. I think the massive amount of investments we need to transition to a net zero future is in the range of which you quoted the GFANS Alliance having published around 125 trillion. But I really think it's going to take multiple stakeholders and actors to get us there. So it's not going to just be investors that are going to be accounting for a large portion of that investment needed. We're going to need governments to step up. We're going to need corporates to invest in these areas. And a lot of this is actually going to happen in the private sector, right? So you can invest in private assets, you can invest in public assets. A lot of the public corporations are absolutely going to try to mitigate any risk that proves a threat from a cost perspective, right? So if they are exposed to physical climate change risks, they're going to make sure that they are protecting themselves from those risks, whether it's through insurance or other means. And investors can participate by supporting companies that are resilient. But I think that there's a lot that we can do in terms of emerging markets and private markets to actually drive more imminent impact in this space. So it absolutely is an opportunity, but there's multiple ways to approach it. 
No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's definitely to kind of pick up on something you said, it's certainly the kind of issue that's one of these all of the above sort of approaches as opposed to like an either or kind of thing. So it makes a lot of sense that there's going to be kind of both challenges and opportunities across all those different spaces that you were kind of mentioning there. So I know one term that's come up a lot recently in the past kind of year or so related to ESG investing is this term greenwashing. Um, And I was wondering, could you maybe elaborate a little bit more what that term means? Yeah, great question. So greenwashing is a term that has definitely garnered a lot of popularity just in the last few years, because as the investment management community started to adopt ESG practices and becoming responsible investors, there were a lot of funds out there that were labeled ESG or labeled responsible or sustainable. But when you actually look under the hood, there wasn't any additional research being done to actually consider these ESG factors in the investment decision-making process. So what greenwashing means is people taking advantage of this emerging area of responsible investment and using it as a marketing tool to accumulate assets in associated products. So it's really about overstating or misrepresenting how a fund is being managed by just kind of slapping a label onto it to hook a potential end investor who cares about a certain ESG issue. So what we're seeing to address this is a number of things around policy that's actually happening. So we're seeing investment management regulators like the Canadian Securities Administrator really try to track down on investment management funds, rebranding any product that they offer as green or ESG unless they can prove it. And so we welcome this type of change in regulation. Yeah, no. So it sounds a lot about fund managers actually having to put money where their mouth is, so to speak. So now one thing I was wondering, is there a particular way or particular red flags that investors can watch out for to avoid potentially greenwash products? Yeah, absolutely. And I think they have to work with obviously whatever type of professionals helping them manage their portfolio. But again, greenwashing is all about talking a lot, but not walking the talk. And so I think how you avoid getting roped into a greenwash product is having your professional advisor or yourself dig a little deeper into a potential solution before investing in it. Right. So one red flag would be if you were to you know, engage with an investment manager about a product that you're interested in investing in. Ask them to really articulate how they consider ESG factors in the management of the holdings of that particular fund, right? Or in their investment process. If a professional struggles to articulate how they consider ESG in their investment decision-making process, then that is a red flag that they're just saying they do, but they really don't, right? They should be able to have examples of buy and sell and hold positions within a portfolio that they label ESG or responsible or sustainable to say, this is why we hold this name from an ESG perspective. And this is why we are no longer holding this name because we felt that the risks from an ESG perspective were outweighing the benefit. And then the final thing is to ask about reporting, right? Being a responsible investor means being transparent in how you are applying the ESG principles to your process. And if there is a fund that has no reporting associated with being labeled ESG or responsible, that, in my view, is a red flag, right? So again, you're just calling it something, but you have no proof in the pudding. 
certainly sounds like, you know, knowing kind of the nuts and bolts about what you're investing in is always good advice, no matter kind of what uh, philosophy or, or strategy it's falling under. Now, one thing related to kind of those things you were discussing earlier about how to avoid these kind of products, it raises the question about maybe kind of having more standardized policies on ESG could go a long way to help avoid those sorts of situations. Have there been any recent developments in this space that you might be able to help our audience hear about? Yeah, absolutely. So in the last couple of years, regulators have been coming out with new policies or new suggestions for policies in which the investment community has been responding very positively to. So just in January of last year, I had mentioned this before, but the Canadian securities regulators came out with new guidance related to responsible investment products. And one of the hallmarks of this guidance is that funds should really only use RI, which stands for responsible investment or related terms in the fund name if they are explicitly discussed in the objectives of said funds. So again, this speaks to the notion of trying to really eradicate greenwashing to protect an investors. Also, in terms of professional firms like ourselves, investment management firms being able to integrate ESG, what we need more than anything is better information about the companies that we're evaluating. And at the CSA, so the same body, is also considering more robust climate disclosure in the companies that they regulate, right? And this follows on the SEC in the U.S. also asking for more enhanced and standardized climate disclosure. So climate change, as I mentioned before, is one of the biggest threats to not only our near and medium-term future, but certainly our long-term future. And so we need companies to be accountable to sharing what risks related to climate that they're exposed to so that we can do our job properly and evaluate whether this company is worth investing in over the long term. So seeing the CSA and SEC come out with proposed legislation for better information is something we want to see. And then finally, I'll note that there was at COP26, not in 2022, but at the end of 2021 in Glasgow, there was a huge announcement with the establishment of the ISSB, which is the International Sustainability Standards Board. And this is a new body that's being supported by the IFRS that will require publicly traded companies to disclose all of their carbon emissions, both direct emissions from their own company's operations, but also indirect emissions that they could be responsible for down their supply chain. So we're really happy to see this onslaught of new regulation coming to the fore because it really supports responsible investing as an approach. And I'm really proud to say that, you know, BMO Global Asset Management, where I work, has been involved in helping to shape a number of these policies, both here in Canada and abroad. Oh, thank you. No, I mean, you certainly don't have to tell an economist that having better access to data is going to make executing things like responsible investing easier in the future. So I'm certainly happy to hear some of those potential kind of things down the road that might uh, help improve this space even more. And so one other concern that I've heard recently is there's been a little bit of a political backlash against ESG, particularly kind of south of the border in the United States. Could that potentially hurt the market for sustainable investment products in the future? Is that something you're tracking and you're concerned about? So it's definitely not something I'm overly concerned about because I think in the U.S., 
far right wing politicians have used this whole area of ESG considerations to really weaponize and politicize different political perspectives. And while there have been some developments out of states like Texas and Wisconsin and so forth, I'm not too concerned about the responsible investment approach or community going away as a result, right? I think there's always going to be a little bit of change management when an area grows as rapidly as this area has grown, but it's really not going anywhere. I think, again, if you're a long-term investor and you recognize the risks that fall under the ESG umbrella to threaten the growth of your own investment portfolios, you know very well that it is here to stay. And I think all of the policies that have come to the fore that we just discussed actually negate some of the sentiment coming out of the U.S. Well, that's great to hear. I think we've done a lot so far today talking about the what and the why behind kind of responsible investing or ESG investing. And I guess, you know, the next logical question is, how can Canadian investors be part of responsible or ESG investing? Great question. So there's so many ways investors can participate. The first thing I would always say is speak up, right? So if you're working with a professional and you're interested to learn more, sometimes we need to pull that information because not everybody is as comfortable speaking about this subject, but it's really not as complex as it seems. And if you're a DIY investor who invests online, right here at BMO, I'll say that our investor line clients can actually evaluate the performance of any individual stock or ETF utilizing ESG ratings that are integrated right into our investor line platform. And that information can help them determine if those stocks or ETFs are a right fit for their portfolio. The platform has been upgraded and these insights are really seamlessly integrated. If you just type in any equity name individually or any ETF that you're interested in, right away, you can navigate to an area where you can determine whether the stock or ETF has positive or negative ESG attributes that you want to know about. And that can help inform whether you expand your exposure or reduce it. So it's important to stay informed yourself on key issues and controversies related to your investments. And you could do that right online here at BMO. Well, that certainly makes it sound like it's much less of an arcane process than you know people might have thought uh, if they hadn't had their chance to look at those things before. So that's great to hear. So maybe to kind of wrap things up here, is there one final piece of advice you might have for investors in 2023? And what might that be? Yes, I do. So I guess what I want to really drive home is that being a sustainable investor or a responsible investor isn't a choice, right? It's not a niche approach to investing that you might choose to participate in. I think it's an approach to investing that is actually changing the game in the future of how we all approach investments, right? It's here to stay and it's just new information that makes a sound approach for longer term investors, right? We wanna be comprehensive when we're evaluating any investment opportunity. And this whole notion of responsible investing is part of a sound approach. And I think, The developments that we've seen just in the last year or two really prove that it's not only for people who want to align their values with their investments because they don't believe in fossil fuel or they don't believe in gambling, but I think it's for just prudent risk managers, people who want to make sure that 
the longevity of their portfolios and the resilience of their portfolios will yield them the results they hope in the future. So I would recommend everybody to be more involved in educating themselves in sustainability issues and ESG issues and make sure that it's a comprehensive part of your approach to investing. Awesome. Thank you so much. And certainly I appreciate you being on the podcast here to not just help me figure out more about what exactly is meant by kind of responsible investing or ESG investing, but certainly to help our audience learn more about what it is exactly and how might they kind of consider taking advantage of it in their investment approach. So again, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And I hope you'll be able to come back in the future when there's maybe further developments down the road so you can give us all an update. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Always happy to help and hope everybody enjoyed this. Yes, thanks so much. And thanks to everyone for listening today. And hopefully everyone has a happy, productive and healthy 2023. Thanks for listening to BMO Smarter Investing, a podcast brought to you by BMO Investor Line. We are here to empower Canadians to invest smarter. For more information on how you can start investing today, visit bmo.com slash online investing. And be sure to subscribe to this show to get the latest episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.